ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, I present to you the man, the myth, the legend, J.D. Ridiculous. Come on, guys. Come on, guys. What up, bro? You could totally tell I'm a dad when my jokes Still don't down. get gets better. It gets better. It. Today, you're looking mighty Caspery, by the way. Your light is really bright. Today. Jeremiah, do you? I don't know oh, what's going on with the getting... It's like, uh, so we were not laggy. Um, Yesterday, I mean, uh, right before we came live, but now he suddenly gets laggy. So let's hope that that doesn't happen uh, during the show. But welcome back, guys. It's Wednesday. It is the 830 episode. Wait, the 830 episode. Look, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. It's the Wednesday episode at 830 Central. Uh, we appreciate you guys being here, uh, especially the people that are here week in, week out. Like, can we just have a moment to just say thank you guys uh, for your constant um, support? Amen. And, and always being here. And we see you growing, by the way. I mentioned this earlier on my live stream on uh, TikTok that I love seeing the people that were quiet and shy, like stepping up and answering questions in comment sections when they know that I can't get to the question. Um, and the, also the growth on Discord and whatnot. Even though I'm not present doesn't mean I don't know what's going on over there. What up, JD? Oh, man. The delay messes all that up. Is he frozen? See, that's dangerous when he freezes like that. Or he's playing a game with me. I'm going to go with the fact that he's frozen and it just froze at the perfect time to where it looks like he's staring into the windows of my soul uh, and judging me. Ah, oh, there he goes. Yeah, man. I don't know what's going on. Um, so just just pray for my internet connection so that it, it uh <laughs> but anyway good good to see you all good to be back uh as always remember to like and subscribe and and i'll say that if you enjoy the podcast like don't just like and subscribe for the sake of it if you enjoy the podcast and you're getting edified by the podcast then like and subscribe and and share it to others so that they may be uh, edified and grow with us as we go through this walk. So exciting times. It's a new year. Good to be back. And this is an exciting episode. We've already covered the basis of Calvinism, Arminianism, and now we're going to go through the scriptures. So exciting times. Amen. So just real quick, because I want to uh, get like a little catch up, make sure everybody's tracking here. Over the last two episodes, which I believe were great episodes, if you didn't listen to them, go back, check them out. We dove into what Calvinism uh, believes generally and what Arminianism believes generally. To summarize, one side, which is Arminianism, believes in the cooperation between man and God. Both parts have a necessary part to play in salvation, meaning that God can want to save you, but if you fail your part, you aren't saved. And um, you can want to be saved, but obviously God... Uh, doesn't have to save you if you're not whatever, which we believe on that side as well. Um, and then the monar the monogist, yeah, the monergistic way, which is that if God wants to save you, you're getting saved. Um, he's the one who does the saving. 
you're not really in control of that part. So you don't get, you don't, you can't lose your salvation. Um, you can't walk away from it. The Lord changes your heart. And if you're just coming in now, I promise, go back, listen, we get way more in depth than what I just said right there. Uh, but most of the people here right now are returning so we can continue moving forward with this because we, uh, know what we're talking about. So we're going to go down th this JD. And I think this will be a good method to do this. We can go down through the five points and, we can talk about each point and where we align on that point and then use the Bible uh, yeah. to talk about why we align there. Cool. 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 That's All great. right. So as far as depravity goes, JD, and if you agree with me, you could say it, but I think Romans six is very clear. And, and and I would add on top of that a little bit of John 15, but Romans 6 talks about being slaves to sin, right? Um, oops. Verse 3, right? So verse 3, it says, yeah, do you I think, not I know. think it bleeds. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, yeah, Romans 6, and definitely it bleeds over into parts of Romans 7 as well. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Romans 7. Yeah, sure. definitely. And this is why JD and I have said many times, the book of Romans is an incredible book. If you had one book to study, because he doesn't, it's not like, so check it out. In most of the letters, you can tell by the language Paul uses that he has spoken to them before, that he's referencing something that he maybe said in person. Um, I mean, look at just 1 Corinthians 15. What does he say? I want to remind you what I taught to you or what I preached to you. Galatians 1 says, if you hear anything different than what you've already been preached, right? Romans, though, he is bringing, coming to them in a sense that it's like he lays out the doctrine from start to end. It's, it's full. This, the entire doctrine that we believe is in Romans. This is why one of the ways that you can preach the gospel that's taught, at least in uh, college, I know, is what's known as the Romans way. And there's five points of the book of Romans that you can take someone through to show them the entire gospel and how to get saved. It's the Romans way, right? So if you're not really comfortable with going into the Bible on your own, this is something they use for people to memorize. Like, hey, if you don't know how to present the gospel, learn the Romans way. Um, so Romans dives in and, and, and just it's all doctrine. And that's why I love it. But here in Romans 6, it, where we're still at this point where Paul is making it clear that you had no power of yourself to save yourself. And he says, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? And he's saying this because someone said, oh, so you're not under the law, so you can just sin all you want. Grace may abound. He's like, no, 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 no. If you're baptized into Christ, you're baptized into his death. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. For if we have died, have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. He then goes on to talk about the old self. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourself dead, uh, yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. 
Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to, to sin as instruments or uh, for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. Now, this might not be saying mm -hmm. what I'm sitting here, I'm using this for, but if you pay attention, it's describing your inability to do all of this without God, right? So it, it's that we had to be bought from death. We had to be freed from the slavery of sin. Uh, for sin will have no dominion yeah. over you. It had dominion over me, but it no longer does. And then this is really where I wanted to emphasize. What then are we to say because we are not under law, but under grace? Uh, are we to sin because we're not under law, but under grace by no means? Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey, either of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. But thanks be to God that you who were once slaves of sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness. So the truth of it is Amen. when it comes to for me and JD will add his two cents. When I look at this and Romans three saying no one is good, no one seeks God. Romans eight saying that in the flesh you are opposed to God. I believe that man without God's uh, tug on his heart, which we're going to obviously get to, will never go to God. You can call it depravity. I call it our sin nature. So I don't use depravity. I say man's sin nature will not allow him to seek good because he is driven by what is evil. Now I will pass. The yeah. And, and, and to put emphasis. Yeah. And, and to put emphasis on, on, on that is, is the, the fact that, and this is why I always say people haven't come to come to terms with their sin. If, if you've made a home there and, and you're justifying your sin, because we see people say people do this all the time um, where they justify the, the sin they're in. So, so let's let's just quickly look at the words of Christ. What, what did Jesus Christ say? If anyone if anyone clings to his life, he will lose it. If anyone is willing to lose his life for me, he will gain. So how does this harmonize with what Paul is saying? So we go to Romans 8 and we see Paul say, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the law of the spirit, who walk according to the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Again, in Romans 12, Paul says to us, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, presenting your bodies as living sacrifices. Then again, we see Paul saying in Galatians chapter 2, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me, for I am crucified with Christ. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says the same thing. He says, let everyone who names the name of Christ flee iniquity or depart from iniquity. So again, we see all of these examples throughout Paul's epistles where there is this call to obedience. There is this call to walking according to the spirit. There is this call to denying the lusts of the flesh. So Paul is not saying that these that these these lusts are, are now, you know, they've disappeared because you've come to Christ. He's not saying, well, now that you're in Christ, don't worry about sinning because you will never sin again. This is, this is absolutely the, the opposite of what Paul is saying. Paul is not saying that at all. So, again, there's this call to obedience. And, and this is why when we go to Romans 6 as a foundation for what we're saying when it comes to depravity um, or your sin nature – keeping you from God, we know from the Old Testament prophets that God cannot look upon sin. 
God abhors that which is evil. Uh, the prophet Isaiah says, God grows angry with the wicked every single day. So again, what, what separates us from, from sin is Christ living in us. Nothing else. Not because you've been good for a week or you haven't, you haven't sworn for a week. Or, and you, this is why when people say, I think I've been a good person, it's important to point out to them that there are no, no good people. There is none, none that seek after God. All have gone out of the way. So, again, the, the depraved nature of man is not just something that, that's an opinion of mine or an opinion of Mike's. This is biblical. We see that sin deprives you of God's promises. Sin deprives you and separates you from the gospel. Very important. Yeah. Yeah, and so um, That's all I, I think that the importance behind this all is that a lot of us want to look at things in these check boxes and these lists, but let's look at the big picture what JD just pointed out. And it's it's summarized here in John 15, verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You see, the one who bears fruit is the one who abides in him. And apart from him, you can do nothing. So what people do is they see the gospel and the and the epistles and the different books in the New Testament talking to the believer about what he should be doing. And they look at that saying, okay, well, that's what I have to do. But that's not telling you what's required to be saved. It's, it's telling you about the product of your salvation. When people start confusing what the Bible describes as what the gospel produces and they confuse it with what the gospel requires, you get a whole entire twisting. I can't, the, the things that Paul commands, a man cannot do without the Holy Spirit, period. If a man is not born again and not in Christ, it doesn't matter if he picks up one of Paul's letters and it says, abandon adultery and abandon drunkenness. The man who is not regenerate, that is sitting in his own sinful death and his own sinful passions, he's not, I don't care about this. <laughs> Even if he wants to, he's not going to. He's not going to be able to. This is why before Christ, there was things in your life that you didn't even see as wrong, let alone could you beat them. It was only once you came to Christ that you began to see the dirty, the dirtiness because he turns the lights on and you realize that room you were in that felt nice and comfortable was covered in mold. And now that the lights are on and you've seen the mold, you can never unsee it. It's a changing of the nature. So it's this weird, interesting thing about faith without works, faith without works. But the truth is, if someone lacks the product of the gospel, they can't just create the product. They need the gospel. And if the gospel is the root, because the root is where everything comes from, the nutrients and everything, then and fruit is what comes from your faith in the gospel, then if you lack fruit, it's not a fruit problem. It's a root problem. You can't go do these things. This is why I say all the time that if someone is lacking in these areas, we need to bring them the gospel because condemning them can do nothing for them because if they don't have the Holy Spirit, they can't make these changes in their life. And it blows my mind that Christians forget this about our own lives. I'm sorry, but which Christian here thinks that before they came to Christ, they could have conquered all their problems and conquered their sins? You couldn't have because without the Holy Spirit, you're incapable of these things. But yet people will talk to someone who clearly is not understanding the scripture. Therefore, they might not even know God and just telling them what they need to do to be better Christians when what they need to be doing is making sure that they have the Holy Spirit, making sure that they know God. This is why I got upset with that recent false prophet. Because everybody's like, she's condemning sin. 
Cool. Who can listen to what she's saying without the Holy Spirit? Because the sinners don't care what she's saying, and they're not going to fix these problems on their own. And if it's a Christian doing these things, they need the Holy Spirit because no man can can conquer these things on your own. I, I tried to kill time until you got back, JD. JD's back. Now to the next point. Doom, doom, doom. Doom, doom, doom. All right, so the unconditional election. On the Arminian side, you have conditional election, and on the uh, Calvinist side, you have unconditional election. Um, and this is going to be the one where me and JD definitely vary from both of these, I, I believe. So to summarize it, uh, Arminians are saying that God's choice of you is conditional based on the fact that he peers into the future, knows who will be saved, and then chooses them. That makes no sense to me. The Calvinist view is that he chooses before the foundation of the world. I'm going to save you 500 over here and I'm going to save you uh, 1000 here. And then you guys, I'm not saving. And then those that he chose to save will receive the Holy spirit. They will be conformed and they will be changed and they will be saved. And I'm not there either. However, if I had to choose mm -hmm. between which two to lean to, obviously, you know, which side I'd rather lean because that other one sounds crazy. Um, as yeah. far as me, JD, as far as where I stand with this, we talked about this, about the measure of faith that every man is given. I believe that God's election isn't about the individual. And if anybody saw my predestination video, you know that I described my beliefs in predestination and election is the whole. He has elected to save this group of people that put their faith in Christ. And if you put your faith in Christ, you become a, a member of this elected group that was uh, uh, before eternity passed chosen to be saved. Or if you reject Christ, then you join the, the people that before eternity passed, God said, I will punish. He predetermined that the end of everything, I will punish the wicked and I will save those that repent and come to my son. That's predetermined. It has been determined, it has been declared, it has been stated. So I believe that our election is, is a mixture of conditional and unconditional. No matter what, the elect will be saved. God, God's plan will suffice. And we get to choose whether we be on the team of God or the team of the enemy. Do you want to be my enemy and perish or do you want to be aligned with me? I believe that is where yeah. we get it. So the election is that God gives everyone that ounce of faith and it's up to you on whether you harden it or build that fire up. If you end up hardening it, God will let you go into your own passions. Yeah. But the only reason man comes to God is because God calls him. All right, your turn. Amen. And uh, I absolutely agree with that. Um, again, it's it's a question of of responding to that light. And uh, we, we see this. We, Okay, boy, I'm coming. Go turn it off quickly. We, we, we go turn the kettle off quickly. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. Sorry. All right, God. you go do that. We will continue to talk about my thing because it's 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 much more complex than I j just did quickly. Um. So again, so what do I mean by this when it comes to this uh, unconditional versus conditional election? Um, guys, I I I understand why this is so hard to can be uh, to to comprehend. Um, <laughs> at the end of the day, God is outside of time. And we have to understand that the finite language that we use can never comprehend that. And also that means that the language God speaks to us is our language, which is still finite, meaning God has to speak to us in a finite way. Even Paul identifies this when he talks about very hard topics. What does he say? I speak in human terms, right? 
because just like when he's answering the question in Romans 9, or was it Romans 9? I believe it's Romans 9, where he says, like, is God unjust? And I, I say that in human terms because I would never say those exact words. That's crazy. However, this is what you would say, right? Same thing with a lot of different things we see Paul point out. Does God choose us before eternity passed? Yes. Does that affect my freedom? No, because God requires your freedom and your accountability. Yes. Does God make people uh, choose him or make people turn to, to uh, turn away from him and go to hell? No. Man freely chooses the sin. That's what I believe. Man freely chooses the sin, our passions, our desires. God freely offers salvation to those that believe. And when they offer salvation, it's not that they he makes them do anything. As I mentioned earlier, he gives them life in their spirit, which gives them that ability to actually follow him and want him and to desire him. This is why it says you are born again, a new creation. The old you is gone. The new you is alive. So um, there he is. Now we'll let him take back over. Amen. Amen. I agree. And and also, I just want to preface. I want to preface this by saying that predestination and 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 election is is a subject that has been debated since the turn of the 14th century. This is this is not a new debate. This is not a new argument. Again, what your view is on this, it's important to note that it is not a salvific issue. We're not discussing salvation as a whole we're just saying how salvation works and how does god's sovereignty work and how do we mix god's sovereignty in with man's choice or man's free will or however you want to put it um and again whatever your view is on this uh don't make it a a, a stumbling block where whereby you start separating yourself from from other believers um and and i have to preface it by saying because i've seen Brothers in Christ get irate with other brothers in Christ because they do not see that they don't see the view that that Mark and I clearly share when it comes to to this. It's quite quite scary how how close we are to how we believe when it comes to. And if you haven't gone and watched Mark's predestination video, go give it a watch because it's, and may it, I it's add, a very good. Lesson. He reads the KJV and I read the ESV, and we have not come to a part where that has caused any type of issue and. We talk about a lot of scripture, so it's not like we haven't had the opportunity yeah. to come across where it's like, oh, wow, I believe this because my ESV says this. Oh, I believe the KJV because my KJV says this hasn't happened. Number two, he's 3000 miles away. We don't share the same culture, and yet we align on almost everything as if there's a common denominator between us, like the Bible and the Holy Spirit. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe it's got to do with that. So, just again on on this on this topic of of conditional unconditional election, the the reality of of what we see is, and and this is why I know Mark agrees with me, and this is easy believism is 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 demonic, uh, where people say you simply have to quote a couple of verses word for word, and by that math you're saved. Um, and, and we see this in the presentation of, of, of Paul giving the presentation of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15. He does state there, unless you have believed in vain. So we also see James telling us that even the demons believe. Um, again, what are you, what are you believing? Because it's easy to say, okay, I can get with the, with the fact that Jesus rose from the grave. I can get with the, you know, uh, I can get with the death, burial, resurrection. That's cool. Um, but now, 
then you start discussing who Christ is and you take on this uh, modalistic view where you say Jesus is the father. Whoopsie. Now, now I'm concerned because you, you claim you believe the gospel, but you've, you've adapted a, a mindset where Jesus Christ is the father. And that's your, that means your Christology is flawed. And because your Christology is flawed, uh, this will then flaw the way you view Christ and the way you view the gospel. So, um, no, I'm absolutely not a Calvinist. Um, I see the comments in the in the chat. Oh. Absolutely not a Calvinist. But um, so, um, again, I've got many many Calvinists uh, as brothers in Christ, and and we've had we've had many many discussions over this specific topic, predestination. Um, and again, I'll bring up John three. What does it state there? This is the condemnation. Those those do not want to step out into the light because they love. They have found a love in their unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. They love their wicked ways. They do not want them exposed. And let's let's just use the alphabet soup community for a second. Let's just use let's just use them as an example. What are they doing? They come to, they come to you with Matthew nineteen and saying, "Okay, look, here we go. There are there are you know trans people in the Bible. Here's a eunuch, bro." And again, when we see them do this, when we see them do this, what they've done is they've elevated their position above God's instruction. So this is my sin. I'm fully aware of my sin. But because I don't want to let go of my sin, I'm going to bring God down a level whereby I can justify my sin, tell a lie about God, and deceive the masses. Um, when we all, all know that the, the passage in Matthew 19, if you literally go up, because they love to quote Matthew 19, but if you go to Matthew 19 from verse 3, Jesus Christ is saying, marriage is between one man and one woman. And the, the detail of, of this explanation that Christ is giving is about divorce, saying, don't get divorced. This is what Jesus is saying. And he's saying, if you can't do this, then don't get married like the eunuchs. That's what it comes down to. So again, are we using proper hermeneutics to exegete the text? Or are we taking what we already believe and reading it into the text. And, and this is ultimately why I will not claim um, the denomination of Calvinism because I can't, although I agree for the most part with the unconditional election, I still don't believe that God created people for evil, that God created certain people purely so that they could be deprived for all all eternity and 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 die and spend a, an eternity separated from God. So just the why just would the Paul, idea of how why God would Paul say we are to preach the gospel? Yeah, that that's yeah. the problem with that is that people try to stick God into a box to where well uh, if if he does this then it has to mean this and it has to mean that. God can want all to have it, what they're doing is they punish God for being all knowing. Because here's the truth of it. It's not his fault he's all-knowing. He's God. But because he's all-knowing, suddenly you think you don't have freedom anymore. Like, there can't be freedom if he knows all. Because if he knows all, he has to interfere in anything that doesn't happen the way he wants it to happen. See what we're doing? We're imagining what it's like to even be all-knowing, let alone 
be all knowing and outside of time and then implying how that should operate. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Um, you were talking about belief and today's term of belief. And it made me think about doing something. I went and I Googled the definition of belief for today, right? I wanted to see what does, what does it say in, in our normal dictionaries, right? So Google believe definition, and we have accept something as true, feel sure of the truth of, and then hold something as an opinion, think, or suppose. Earlier, I tried to define this myself, and I said that people use it today as hope. So like you say, like, I believe in you. Like, I hope you could do it, right? And when we see this definition, like, let's see what Marion says. To consider, to be true or honest, to accept the word or evidence of, that's it's a little bit better, that one right there, to hold as an opinion. So no and no for what we're talking about. So I have the biblical definition open, which I read all the time, because what you just read right there, what people consider the meaning of belief, because you need to think about this. Atheists don't yeah. use biblical definitions. They don't, they're not raised with the Bible. They don't study the Bible. So they're not going to use biblical definitions. This is why I love to tell you guys, we have to teach people what love is biblically. Because I've showed you before what happens if you look up the definition of love. It literally says a deep feeling of affection. I don't know about you guys, but I don't even need to read the Bible to know that's not love. But the Bible definitely doesn't support that. Well, here's belief in the Bible. So you don't get saved because you say, I have an opinion that I'm pretty sure I hope I hope Jesus did die and raise from my praying from the grave. Like I'm I'm going to lock my bed in on that. I'm not 100% sure, but I I believe it. That's not what it means. What it means is this, starting at the top. That one word has all this wrapped into it. I believe with various constructions, I believe a person or a statement made by a person to be true. I place or repose my trust on either God or the Messiah. I rely on them. I commit my life to them. I believe in, I believe on, I cast myself upon them as stable and trustworthy with faith, with energy of faith. That's what I hear when I see, hear it say, believe in yeah. him and you will be saved. Sadly, some people hear, come on, come on. Oh, kind of sort of, yeah. Go some off people the hear kind of sort of do Some this. people hear, accept. Something as true, feel sure of the truth of it. Like, mm, yeah, I hope it to be true. And the people that said, I used to believe this is what they did. They wanted it to be true. Sure. To the extent that they mm. wanted it to be true. Like I want it to be true how I want God to be. And then they realized it's not true how they want God to be. So they stopped believing in what they wanted, but they never believed yeah. in who he really is. Amen. So that's, sorry, that's, that's exactly that because it. you talked about belief. That is, I'm so glad it. you brought that up. I'm so, so that. glad you brought that up because that, that can just, that can just, yeah, that's absolutely video worthy. But that just brings us to, to, to this point that, that easy believism, someone saying, uh, I used to be a Christian is, is so you believed that Jesus Christ rose from the dead for a period and then you no longer believe he rose from the dead because that essentially is what we what you're saying because they'll make it about Chris, christian dogma and christian lifestyle and what happened to them in the church but let's just be honest what happens to us in the church has got nothing to do with our faith in christ if, if your faith in christ is based on what happens or doesn't happen to you in in the church your faith is not on christ you're not believing in and believing on 
as as yeah. as we clearly see there. And 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 this is again <laughs> why why certain people have their hearts turned to stone and and callous and hardened over time because the gospel they're seeking or the gospel they want to believe in does not fit into their narrative doesn't support their lifestyle so the 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 gospel is offensive the gospel is offensive let's be honest the gospel is offensive why does paul say it's foolishness to those who are perishing uh, you know the gospel we preach christ crucified which is a a foolish thing to those who are outside of the faith again paul doesn't say okay because so and so has been predestined to condemnation just shut up don't don't tell them anything about the gospel that's actually not not the instruction we receive at all we and 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 the warnings we receive um from the apostle paul the warnings we and we went through jude like a year ago and and the warnings we receive are those who claim the name of Christ, but we can clearly see they're not representing Jesus. If we've warned them once, we've warned them twice, we have to dust our feet. If, if they're constantly sowing discord among the brothers and sisters in Christ, we are to mark and avoid them. You, these, are, these are the instructions. This is Paul saying, and, and so, and confirming what he says to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, that know that after I depart, ravenous wolves will come in separating the flock drawing away disciples after themselves not sparing the flock so we know that there are false teachers out there today it's 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 evident this is fulfillment of 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 scripture this is fulfillment of promise jesus christ said there will be many false prophets we call them out and we get told uh you you just don't have the holy spirit or you don't have discernment or you don't know what you're reading you don't understand the bible um again this is not roman catholicism anybody can read the bible we're not sitting here um and i'm bringing this up based on on a last uh, the last video i watched of mark not once have 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 i or mark ever sat in this podcast and claimed that we're infallible and that our word our word is oak and that you, you should trust every single thing we say um and and this is where people can snip up things take sections of a video and say oh that's what they believe again when we're discussing when we're discussing openly and giving opinions on and telling you as 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 brothers and sisters in christ that we love you and go back and read the scriptures that we don't avoid the questions we receive because we understand what it's like to have these questions so again with this topic there are many questions that will jump up Many questions that will jump up, and, and there are no stupid questions when it comes to these doctrines. That's Amen. all I want to say. Amen. I had something that I was supposed to say in there, but I completely forgot because I was zoning out listening to you, so we'll roll right up to the big L, which, you know, I'm looking at these last couple, and I can't help but think that there are moments in these where it's going to be very interesting to how I'd have to describe them. But um, for the limited atonement one, uh, I agree that the atonement is limited to an extent, but it is not limited in the way Calvinists say. Um, I do disagree with their limitations of it. I do, I do believe, though, that Christ only died for those that are, that are saved. Now, how exactly does that work as far as, uh, you know, him knowing prior, whatever, regardless? That's me trying to step into 
something that I don't even have the right to know how God operates. But I will say this though, Christ did not die for the wicked. I don't believe he died for the wicked. I believe he died only for those saved. Um, that I have to say is true because again, I'm not a universalist. I don't believe anybody's uh, going to go to heaven because Christ died for them, even though they never gave their life to him. Yeah. So yeah. I don't limit the atonement yep. because God, uh, God chose a thousand people to save and he's only atoning for them. However, I do limit the atonement to say Christ only died for those that will be saved. Yeah, we can go to we can go to John. We can go to John chapter six, John five and six for this exact thing. Um, and again, we absolutely reject universal reconciliation because yeah. there this goes this goes completely contrary to the word of God. Um, and and this is taking this is taking Second Corinthians chapter five completely out of context because they will use the end of Second Corinthians chapter five. I was saying we preach the message of reconciliation, but avoiding the fact that Paul literally says in, in verses three and four that you are to deny yourself. You are to deny yourself no longer for live for yourself, but live for the gospel. So, again, if someone hasn't denied themselves and they are not living for the gospel, are they reconciled because of the work of, of Christ? The bloodshed is for all human, all humans. Those who believe the gospel all have access. So the, the, the the free gift. Yeah, all have access. All have access so, based yeah, when on I hear believing. All, I hear all have access. He died for the world, not for all the world to be saved from the death before they come to him. He died for the world to have access. However, only those that love him exactly. and believe in him, only the elect will come to him. And again, how does that work with our freedom? That's where people need to stop trying to figure that out and just accept the fact that he says, I have placed before you life and death choose. So I have a freedom of choice and I want to be on, I want to be on team elect. I don't want to be on team Satan. <laughs> I open this up JD um, because yeah. this is where I think it proves that the, that the blood is a limited to some for by a single offering. He has perfected for all time. Those who are being sanctified. So his blood is going to perfect me. I'm being sanctified. Are you being sanctified, JD? His blood is going to perfect you. But if someone Amen. is never go, never goes through sanctification, Amen. the blood was never for them. Now you can join, you can hop in there and get that sanctification and that blood. So again, it's not like you can't have it, but only those that come to him will uh, uh, get access to it. I don't know if you guys addressed this, but Kelvin has seemed to teach things way more hardcore than John Calvin yeah. actually did. And, and, and this, uh, this confirms again. Oh, I was going to say that I would say the attention goes to those, but not all of them do. Uh, for example, I love James White, and I don't think he teaches like that. Um, but what you're referring to is called cage stage Calvinists and young Calvinists. This is why I've been condemned by people for defending Calvinism by saying, y'all don't really know what you're talking about when you talk about Calvinism. Yes, I do disagree with Calvinism, but not for the same reasons that people do. And that's what cracks me up because I think they think I'm on their team because I'm like, yeah, no, no, I, I don't I yeah. don't agree with Calvinism. But then I defend Calvinism like, well, no, no, that's not what they believe. Let's not disrespect what Calvinists believe. <laughs> like, That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And and I've 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 you know I've, over the years we've had I've had I've had similar similar you know accusations and and again it's 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 what do we see in Ephesians 2 verse 8 9 and 10 <clears throat> again we see that word predestined so 
So, and, and a lot of people love to leave out verse 10 when reading Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. They, they're, they're, it's almost like they omit verse 10. Um, if, if you can open that up quickly, Mark, I just want to go to that because here we what, see what the same, same, same Greek word, same phrase. Ephesians verses, uh, Ephesians chapter two, verses eight through ten. Oh, Ephesians two. Because yeah, yeah, we see we see something very, and and like I said, when people mention the grace, because this is known as the grace chapter, <laughs> and 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 you know, we see that the book of Ephesians confirms that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, that our that our salvation is secure, that we cannot lose our salvation. Um. But yeah, we see something, you know, he says, for by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works so that no man may boast. And then he goes on to say, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God in the KJV predestined. So here it says, which God prepared beforehand. So predestined, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So again, when it comes to predestination of the believer, the believer, the one who is accepted and, and, and believed the gospel, put their faith upon Christ. Look there, grace through faith. So through our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, the result of this are works which God had predestined that we should walk in those things. So again, Paul, and as, I, as I've mentioned again and again and again, Paul puts emphasis on the obedience to the Holy Spirit. He puts emphasis on us responding to the Spirit. And this is why he tells us the characteristics of the Holy Spirit in Galatians chapter 5, when he says the fruit of the Spirit are love, patience, kindness, long-suffering, meekness, so when we see the fruit of the believer, these works will follow the believer because of the gospel, for the gospel's sake, and not for salvation's sake. Do, do, hopefully that's starting to click over. Because, again, just, just looking at the, the comment section, um, when, when, we, when we speak of this, when we speak of, of these, you know, different types of doctrines and, and people who believe this and believe that ultimately what are who are they representing are they representing themselves or they or are they representing christ and i was saying this to mike the other day in a private message what what gets to me is is when people quote the scripture like they're infallible like their word is truth it's not, it's not about, it's not about Christ. It's moved over to, I've said this because I've studied this and I know what I'm talking about. So therefore the authority isn't God's word. It's, it's, it's my opinion on God's word. So this my bad, dangerous. I was a little in my own world over here. Cause I saw a comment from uh Sineda and it sent me down like a path over here. <laughs> so real quick. She commented, Courtney, I agree. I don't even know what Courtney said. My question is, if we are a slave to sin, not free, how do we have free will to choose Christ? And there's two things I wanted to point out while she, when she asked that. So the first one was uh, in Romans 6. It actually says something interesting down here. It says, um, oh, I flew way past where I was going. 
Um, do, 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 do. I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations for just as one presented to members of slaves and purity. Where's it at? Oh, for when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regards to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed for the end of those things is death, right? So you were free in regard to righteousness. So you weren't enslaved to righteousness like you are now, but you were free to still practice it. You just obviously didn't because you're enslavement to sin. But what do we see right here when they get jailed, right? Enslavement being jailed. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken and immediately all the doors were open and everyone's bonds were unfastened. They were enslaved. They were locked in cages, but they called upon the Lord. They rejoiced and praised his name, and he saw them and shook the very ground to let them out. All you and I have to do is call upon his name. He will shake the shackles and break them, right? So um, we're enslaved to sin, and our passions want sin, and no man wants God, and no one wants to do good. And we see that in the scriptures. However, it only takes one ounce of that fire that JD and I talked about that God puts in a man's heart. That that one little, that ounce of, of faith. What is it? The measure, my bad, JD. Measure of faith that every man is given to call upon him and he can shake the sh uh, shackles and 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 set you free. Yeah. So I just want to throw it out there. Th let's actually go there. Go to Romans 12. Let's actually read that in context because again, this is verse three. But again, we have to read, we have to read verses one and two as well. Because where are we, we going? see how, how our decision, Romans chapter 12, I love Romans 12. chapter 12, verses one through three, because this is where Jesus, this is where Paul confirms what Christ is saying. Listen to this thing. I appeal to you, therefore. So what does it mean to appeal? So if I'm, 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 I'm appealing to my brothers in Christ by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a loving sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. So in that very first verse, we see true worship is the believer living a life of self-sacrifice. It's not elevation. It's not Hillsong. It's presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice. This is holy and acceptable, which is spiritual worship. So again, when people say, hey, come to the worship session, no, all you're doing is, is you're partaking in a concert. That That's not the worship that the Bible refers to. And then he goes on to say, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern. What? That you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect and then he goes on to say in verse 3 he goes on to say for the grace for the gift of god for by the grace given to me i say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think but to think with sober judgment each according to the measure of faith god has assigned each according to the measure of faith god has assigned so again when when we see that we cannot come unless we are called. We see Jesus Christ says, all are called. Paul says, all are called. Paul tells us in Romans 1, unequivocally, that all people are fully aware that God exists. All people know God exists. Um, and, and this is why we will not see 
the atheists get upset with the with 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 the Hindu. The atheist is not getting upset with Buddha. He's not getting upset with Krishna. He's not getting upset with Allah. But he is highly offended at the name of Jesus Christ because it is the name above all names. It is that the name of Jesus Christ that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. Not 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 at the not at the name of Buddha. Not at the name of Krishna. So again, yeah, we see the measure of faith is given unto given unto us by God. So if we recognize the call, Jesus Christ said it, my sheep hear my voice. My sheep hear my voice. He said the same thing to Pontius Pilate. I came to testify to the truth. Those of the truth, those of the truth will recognize the truth. Those who are of the truth will hear the truth. So Amen, what is Gabriel, the condition of your heart? Yeah, I was looking at this cross reference here, JD. Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. And then the other cross reference for the measure of faith is actually interesting. This one says that a measure of faith that God assigned to us is what gets us grace. And then it says that the grace was given to us according to what? The measure of Christ's gift. So our measure of faith gives us access to the grace that gives us access to what Christ got with the measure of his gift. Just interesting language uh, being spoken here. Um, but someone mm. mentioned that they don't believe verse yeah. three here is about all men, but just That's believers, good. which I can see the argument there, but I would disagree only because Ecclesiastes three, I believe says the same thing. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. And what many scholars agree here is that this is that earning to know about God with the inability to know about God. So I have no ability to really know about what God has done, but like I have a drive in me to want to know it. Um, and this is saying into man's heart as a whole. Amen. Right. So there's a reason why Romans one says no man has an excuse. It says that God has presented this evidence before them. Right. He said the creation itself declares who he is. So if we mix that with what yeah. uh, with what Solomon says here, that man has every man has eternity in his heart. You either have people who reject what their heart is pulling them towards, to which what does God do? Turns them over to their passions and lets them have exactly what they want, their sinful nature. Or they actually accept that calling in their heart. They come to the Lord and they are saved. So that's where my disagreement is on the calling. I believe that every man is placed in his heart the calling. Just like in John 12, Jesus says the following thing, which I have to pay attention to and i understand the the arguments against this as well but john 12 jesus says this voice has come for your sake not mine now is the judgment of this world now will the ruler of this world be cast out and i when i am lifted up from the earth will draw all people to myself now admi admitted i understand that the response to this from a calvinist will be the all people here is the designation beyond Judaism. So it you, people look at it as, you know, Jesus came to save it, uh, Israel, but Jesus is saying, I'll draw all people to me, rich, poor, Jew, Gentile. And I agree 100% that he does that. However, I don't believe that's what's being said here based on context, but I am willing to continue to study and learn this. Um, so uh, uh, that's where my agreement is, but uh, disagreement is, but I stand with JD on what he said. This is not salvic, right? Nobody's sitting here saying, if you disagree, I, I don't, I don't, uh, you know, think you're saved. The reason for this series that we're doing was so that we can understand the differences between us, uh, between people who are, um, lining up on the Armenian side and lining up on the Calvinist side is that is both of us are wrong. Who's, who's less wrong because none of us truly know.
what God's sovereignty is like and what it looks like or how it works. So all we're really doing is trying our best to guess and then saying to others who are doing the same thing, oh, well, you're more wrong than me. I can't help but see people who love the Lord just trying to know who he is. Um, uh, uh, like Paul's conversion, he deepest desire was to persecute Christians, but God's grace transformed his desires. Amen. Um, I agree, Sineda, 100% that that's what it is, that God changes your desires, but I'm guilty for my, my original desires weren't given by God. They're my own desires. So I'm not saying God makes yeah. people go to hell because it's our desires that desire sin, but it is God who gives you the good desire so that you may turn to him. Um, which makes sense when we look at, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. Amen. It's not Amen. saying I will send anyone to hell that I want to send to hell. That's not what he says. Because all are already headed to hell. Like Jesus in John 3, 17 and 18 says, is that yeah. if you deny, if you don't believe in me, yeah. you stand condemned already. So these people are headed to hell. Amen. And then God is saying, I'll have mercy on whom I have mercy. I'll save some. Not because they deserve it, but to demonstrate, even though all of you deserve hell and I will show my justice and my wrath, I'll save some of you so that you can understand that I'm also merciful. That's what I believe. And I love what Chris said here, and I love different, uh, different opinions. JD, I mean, uh, uh, Chris said, Ecclesiastes 3.11, the eternity could be the understanding that mankind's knowing that there is something greater than mankind. Eternity in the spiritual sense versus, versus eternity in a godly sense. No, I agree, Chris. I believe that there's something like that that drives us to want to look beyond the material, right? In the sense of like, we look at creation and the only way we can deny there's a God is if we suppress that truth. Like he says in Romans 1, that they suppress it by their unrighteousness because as little kids do, if I pretend my mom didn't say that, then I won't feel as guilty. If I, if I can reject the idea of a personal God who wants me to be accountable, I will feel better in my own ways. So I believe that they suppress the truth because of their own unrighteousness. What letter were we on? We were on L. Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Amen. I mean, there was a question here. Someone asked, uh, how do we know if God is, uh, yeah, let me just put it up. Uh, how do you know if God has turned you over to your passions? Well, Ooh, uh, I know the answer. This, this will vary. No, And, and this will vary from, from person to person. <laughs> Wait. I got the answer. answer. I legit let, got let, it. Let, like, let, listen to me. Irrelevant. Here's why I say irrelevant. Because the person who needs to know does not care. Period. If God turned yeah. them over, they I was gonna, care. I was going to use the progressive Christianity movement. Yeah, I mean, maybe that too. But I mean, you get yeah. what I'm saying though, right? And I was going like, to use the... Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Amen. I agree with you, bro. No, tell me the progressive thing. I want to know. They, they, the they, they wouldn't me. care. Amen, though. I'm they they would they wouldn't care because they. Are you being stubborn internet. right now? Internet. No, this internet is just playing up again. We all want to know what saying, were you going to hey, say, uh, um, I was going to say that we we see this with with uh, you know people that have brought God down to a level where they're almost above Him, where righteousness is something that you can be uh, that can be attained in the flesh. And, um, if, if you're going to sit on a, on a pedestal of, of like, uh, 
cool, I know I'm going to heaven because I've done all of this work and no, that's not what God meant there and no, the Alphabet Soup Club are included and so is, uh, you know, everybody who believes with uh, CRT and everyone who agrees with every other Marxist movement, it, it doesn't really matter. They're all in purely because uh, grace, you know, grace is grace and and that's, that's what it is. So, um, and when I look at these people and we speak of those who have been given over to their own desires. This is exactly what I see. When I see the way they preach um, and they make unequivocal claims about the context of the Bible, um, but they're taking the Bible out of context while they're claiming that you should stay within the context. This is, this is uh, to me, it's, it's a pure example of, of people being given over to their own desires. And why would Jesus say uh, Many of you will say to me, Lord, Lord, and um, I will say, I never knew you. Depart from me. Uh, all your wonderful works, all your casting out of demons, and all your false prophecies, and everything you claimed that you were doing in my name was never in my name. I never knew you. I never knew you. You never knew me. And, and that's, that's a two-way street. You never knew Christ, and Christ never knew you. And as we see in Colossians, as we see in 2 Timothy, Jesus Christ knows them that are his. He knows them that are his. And those who are of the Spirit will walk according to the Spirit. Those who are of Christ will represent Christ with a high regard, approaching God's word with reverence, approaching God's commands and, and his promises with faith and with reverence. And, and we don't see we don't see that attitude from these valiant cowboys who uh take God's flippant words flippantly and and they just they just make claims um on behalf of God um which just tells me you don't know God because if Mark and I had to get up here and say I had a word from the Lord uh for someone in the chat right now there's 97 people I'm not sure exactly who but you're going through a tough time uh financially right now and God is mm -hmm. telling you to hold on well guess what I might I might strike I might strike if there's 100 people in the room and I make that claim, I might be correct. But the reality is, is that's not from God. That's me throwing a fishing line into a pond and, and something will bite. It's not from God. Amen. 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 Um, here's the next one, JD. This one's going to be very interesting because I have a very – I'm going to have to – I have to change a lot of definitions to make sure that I can declare this. So irresistible grace. Um, this one on the right side, on the Calvinist side, is that obviously you can't resist the Holy Spirit. For example, Paul was going to be Paul. He, There's no way Paul was saying no. There's no way Mary was going to say no. That, um, you know, uh, if the Holy Spirit, if you're one of the elect, you will be saved. On the other side, because they don't believe in the elect, what they're saying is that the Holy Spirit can be re resisted because he's trying to get everybody to come so people can go, eh, I don't want that. Uh, I disagree on both of these. And here's my point. First of all, I don't believe the Holy Spirit himself can be rejected if he uh, in, in that sense. Now, people that deny the gospel, they have hard hearts, seeds don't land. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's me preaching the gospel, trying to get that flame in them, get their heart to grow towards God. And then God can use those moments to reach people. Um, but it's not always the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it's just seeds landing and people resist those. I don't believe anybody. If the Holy Spirit wants to, like, for example, 
There are going to be people that God says, I'm going to use you and you're, I'm using you. There's no no to that. Paul didn't get, there's no no from Paul. Matter of fact, here's a question. I, I dare anybody who says that you can resist God to show me God ever asking a question in the Bible. Hmm. Not asking a question, but asking somebody to do something. I, JD, do you recall any time God showed up and said, I need you to do a favor for me? He comes and he says, you're going. And there's only one that I can think of who didn't go and what happened to him. He went. Yeah, Jonah, man. He ended yeah. up going. So yeah. I believe that the mixture here is that we've, we're trying to take the fact that, yes, God cannot be resisted, but that doesn't mean everybody he saves, he's going to do that to, right? So this is where I draw this line at. I believe that if God is going to use you, you you're not. there's no no in that. God will accomplish his plans. Do y'all think Judas was like, okay, so you're sending me in the, into life and I'm going to disobey you. I'm going to betray you and I'm going to sacrifice my eternity so you can fulfill that? I doubt Judas was all cups and gravy about it, right? It's not what, uh, uh, it was, God knew Judas would do this and God utilized Judas for his good purposes. What you intended for evil, God intended for good. You ever notice that scripture doesn't say what you think God intended for evil, he actually meant good for it. No, 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 he said what you intended for evil. So you intended evil and then God counteracted being all knowing and made it good, right? So I would say that, Grace, irresistible grace or whatever, the Holy Spirit cannot be denied. If the Holy Spirit wants to do something, God will do it. And uh, uh, if you deny it, he's just going to keep coming back and he's going to get you to come. So, yeah, sure, you could probably deny it in the moment, but long term, it will be efficient. And then as far as a believer that has the Holy Spirit, he's not going to he can't deny the Holy Spirit. He can't deny the truth. He cannot fall away. So I agree in all those. But like I said, I do disagree to the one fact that. um all men have the choice to put their faith in Jesus, and that's not them denying the Holy Spirit or or anything like that. I believe denying the Holy Spirit is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Like the person that straight up does reject all truth, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 rejection of the gospel. So I I I don't have much more to add because you you hit the nail on the head. That for the very same reasons, I, I look at both and I'm like. Yeah and nay, yeah and nay. Like the, I can see it, but not not to the not to the extent that you're you're making the claim. Um, yeah. And 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 this is a good one. Let's 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 address this question. I don't understand the narrow path passage because all oh. you would have to do is believe. Is it really that hard to believe, or is it a pride issue? It's a great it's a great question. Um, and and here's the and one oh, that's often often taken out of context. Go ahead, bro. So in, uh, let me close this. I wanted you to see my face. So in Luke, I mean, uh, uh, Matthew seven, there's actually three images he uses for you. He does the wide and narrow path. He does the doors and then he does, uh, uh, um, the foundations, the man who built his house on sand and the man who built his house on the rock. The three things we're seeing here is the decision on whether to trust God or trust the other and everything outside of Jesus is the other, right? Because if Jesus is the way, anything outside of Jesus is not the right way. But here's a part of this illustration that maybe you're not thinking of. You think of the narrow path and you're like, well, it's just believing and 
that shouldn't be that crazy of an idea of being a narrow path. But that narrow path is this small, and there's a billion paths with naked women and drugs and alcohol and bright lights and sparkling sounds and things that humans are just like, ooh, I want that. So that narrow path sits in between the temptations of sin. So I always say being a Christian is the easiest, hardest thing ever. You're right. It's super easy. Just believe. But in order for that to happen, one must deny everything else, all of his other passions. That's why Jesus says, deny yourself to give up your own life. Yep. Yes, it's absolutely easy once repentance yep. happens, that change of mind, because you're like, oh, I trust him. I'll give it all up. But if you don't trust him, you're not going to give it all up. Jesus used the example of the man who bought the entire field and everybody said he's crazy, but he knew that field was going to produce crop. So he was willing to put everything into what looked like nothing because he knew what was coming from it. People today think that our faith looks like nothing Amen. because they don't see what's coming from it. You and I know that we're investing in something that will be the greatest thing ever. So that's my answer. Go ahead, JD. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Whew. Amen, bro. Absolutely beautiful. And, and, and just to add to that again, bouncing off of exactly what Mike said, fully agree there. But what did Jesus Christ say? He made the exclamation, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. So when we look at this narrow path, when we look at this narrow path and we see that this narrow path is the gospel of Christ, we've got so many false Christs, as we see in 1 John. He warns us. That there are false Christs, there are antichrists that have gone out into the world. The spirit of the antichrist is running rough. So we've got all these false Christs, which could also represent multiple false parts. Uh, and unfortunately, we see this with Mormonism. We see this with Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, you know, they've ad adopted a false Christ. Therefore, they're not on the narrow path. They're not on the way to the truth and the life. So again, when we look at the narrow path as a as a whole. And, 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 and Jesus Christ saying, there are few that find it. Many go out of the way. Um, again, we've got so many people on TikTok that look like Christian. And this is so good. This is such a good question because I literally saw a comment on, on, on a video, one of Mark's videos, but not everything she says. Some of the things she says is true. Some of the things she says is, and uh, we can't go, we can't base our faith on some of the things that Christ said. We can't base our faith on some of the things that Paul said. Uh, no one reads the Bible that way. I can go, well, if I okay, well, my Paul toe in this water, would y'all drink it? To someone. I just want to know if I dip my toe in this water, would y'all drink the water and swoosh it around your mouth? It's 99.9% .9 water. Guys, most of it is water. Like, literally almost all of it. It'll have like less than 1% of my toe germs. Y'all drink it? But why? There's so much truth in it. It mm. is water. Pickles, we know that you would drink it. You're excluded from this conversation. Um, Sorry, JD. I had to add that because, yeah, it bothers me. <laughs> Gavin, real quick, it's, it's I agree with you. Correct. I think maybe there's a little yeah. bit of a misunderstanding where me and JD stand. We agree that in the flesh, you are. Ho it is hostile to man God. You do not want God. Our disagreement between Calvinists and where we stand is the call. You believe that only the elect are called. We believe all are many are called, only a few are chosen. Right. So I believe all are basically given that call. Um, but men harden their heart to it, and therefore they don't come to him. And in their natural flesh, they reject him and don't want him. However, God has requested people. Um not requested. I mean, uh, uh, dr he draws yeah. people. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, Amen. 
But yeah, uh, my bad. I didn't mean to cut you off. Amen. And 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 this is and 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 Archangel, brother. You know, this is one of the things that we see. You know, with with Jesus Christ and 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 the woman at the well. Um, Jesus Christ doesn't admit or 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 turn away from the fact that she's she's been with five different men. He addresses the sin issue, and and he what does he say to her? If you come to me, if you come to me, you will you will never thirst again. So if you come to me, I will give you living water and you will never thirst again. And she responds to this news by saying, I want that water. I want that water. I don't want, I don't want the toad dip pickle water. I want that living water. And 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 at the end of the day, this is what we see. A, a lot of people, a lot of people are are taking bits of truth. And and mixing it with a bit of heresy and thinking, well, that's okay. Listen, I've I've still got majority truth. I've still got majority of the truth. Y'all really want to know the secret to prophesying in the nah. year twenty twenty four? Listen, here's a secret: just get on Twitter or X and just pay attention to the small rumors before they become big. Check it out. Uh, I prophesy that this election. It will change this country forever and that Trump is going to make headline news like never seen before. Guarantee you that happens too, by the way. See how I just did that? And then guess what? In a year from now, when it happens, all of you are going to come back like, he's a prophet. And if it doesn't happen, you all forgot that video because I put out 400 prophecies since then. Mm. Like, I'm sorry, but if you have 470 prophecies, I could care less about the one that came true. <laughs> like, Congratulations. You finally got it. You talked about the dude that uh that people have been rumoring about for seven years now or ten years actually. Uh, and you got it right by saying this will happen in the next 10 years. But but may I say that one prophet I'm talking about, um, her prophecy actually didn't come to fulfillment because at the end of her prophecy, she said he would meet his demise, right? I'm not using the word because of algorithms, but she said he would uh the 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 it sounds like fly. He didn't do that though. So mm, technically, your prophecy is not fulfilled. I prophesy the Cowboys and yeah. Ravens will never and win. Here's, a Super Bowl the, here's the qualification. And, and and here's the qualification. What discredits you as a prophet? One. One false prophecy. You know what else discredits you as a prophet? Not ten. Not the Bible. <laughs> yeah, yes, but doctrine. I just don't get why people think God would be like, listen, I talk to you every day on the couch and I share with you these incredible visions. But, you know, I'm just going to let you slide with the fact that you don't understand what repentance is. But you keep going out there and teaching that incorrectly. Bring these visions to people, though. Like you're telling me out of all these sit down conversations you have with God, he ain't never said to you, hey, can you start preaching this correctly? Not never once. He didn't never once, not never once say that. Mm, that's crazy. I, I don't remember uh, Isaiah misquoting the Torah yeah. or or Jeremiah contradicting Moses. Like, I don't remember that. But I digress. I digress. Yeah. yeah. But uh, amen. Amen. I think that Amen. I Amen. JD, that's, JD that's, I need to ask that. you because this is the one out of all the points that I don't know where you stand at. What do you think about perseverance of the saints? 
Yeah, I mean, this is, this is probably the, the, the one area. Yeah, it doesn't. <laughs> but this is probably the 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 one area of the uh, of of tulip that I, I disagree with the most um, when it comes to perseverance of the Saints, um, and and for multiple reasons. And one of them is 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 I always go back to the thief on the cross, and how does the thief of the cross fit fit the theology of perseverance of the Saints, um, and and Christ being the one who who. It, we work to his will. He who started a good work in us, he will bring it to completion. I'm um, so confused again, right now. When it comes to perseverance of the saints, uh, <laughs> when it comes to when it comes to the P in tulip, um, I, I see where they're going. I see where they're coming from. But again, um, those who are truly repentant and have truly believed the gospel. Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ will 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 do the good work. <laughs> Check it, Mike's face. <laughs> I'm so confused right now. You're messing around, right? Yeah. Um. <laughs> okay. I'm I'm sitting there like, wait, what are we, what are we talking about, man? JD said, uh, I disagree because of the thief on the cross. Like, wait, wait, what? <laughs> uh, perseverance of the saints is once saved always saved no actually i would disagree i believe perseverance of the saints i don't believe in once oh, saved, always saved. That was and good. the reason i say it that way is because i believe once saved always saved has kind of taken on a, a creation of its own and it's kind of become the free grace movement like when i hear people say once saved always saved i hear people basically saying as long as i've said jesus name out loud i'm saved i believe in eternal security or perseverance of saints whatever you want to call it yeah, I believe in eternal security. Yeah, we're, we're he's messing around. We believe in perseverance of saints. He's just over here messing with my head to make my head hurt because it definitely, definitely hurts. <laughs> Mike, should I be worried if my sanctification is taking oh, man, a super long good. time? Um, I would say this, though. What are you comparing your, the, your sanctification with if you think it's taking a super long time? How long have you been saved? How long have you been walking with the Lord? How long have you been obedient? How long have you been studying? Um, don't just assume that because it feels like it's not happening in the time limit that you want. Because the truth is sanctification heavily relies on how much you put into it. Think about this. You're going to a school and they're going to teach you. But depending on how much you put in is how long it's going to take. And they're like, yo, no matter what, I'm going to teach you this. But I'm just saying you got to put the effort in. Well, if you decide to push back against the teacher and not listen, then a whole year might pass and you wasted a year. Right. So no one's sitting here saying that the timeline is guaranteed because yeah. God's going to literally walk your legs for you. However, he's going to put a drive in you for that change. But if you disobey him, there is disobedience. In fact, it says that endurance is for discipline's purpose. He who started a good work. That's Philippians one. Yeah. So sanctification one, one will happen until your day. Yeah. First and the, foremost, because you will always have room of perfection. Go ahead, J.D. Uh, yeah, and on that on that note, you you know, God gives you the spade. You, you've still got to dig the hole. Like He's not going to give you the spade and then and then dig the hole for you. And, and I think this is this is why a lot of people battle with sanctification. And and let's let, let me ask you a couple of questions. You don't even have to answer them here, but be honest with yourself. And this goes to this goes to everyone, everyone in the chat. When you pick up your Bible and you're not in the mood to read your Bible, do you push through and read the Bible or do you give in and go, I'll read the Bible another time. Let me go Netflix and chill. 
when the time comes to sit quietly and 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 pray do you sit down and pray or do you oh whatever you know these all you know when you say and we've we've discussed this before if you say to someone i'll pray for you do you actually go and pray for them um you know because i see a lot of brothers and sisters in christ saying i'll pray for you i'll pray for you but do you actually take that time to go pray for them because not saying you're going to pray for someone and not praying for someone is a sin in itself so your sanctification can take how long however long you allow it to take and and when it comes to understanding god's word and and growing spiritually paul puts the emphasis on yeah i'm telling you what to do here's the word here's how you push on be obedient in this sense and be loving in that sense and re respond to this with that and respond like this and he, he, his desire for the church at Corinth is that they move from milk to meat. He says, I want you guys to move over to the meat, but you, you're still carnal. So he's not saying they're not saved. And this is where a lot of people, he's not saying they're not saved. He's saying they're still, they're still fussing about carnal things. In 2 Timothy, uh, 2 Timothy 2, for 2 verse 4, he says, No man that warreth, or no man of God that is at war, entangles himself with the affairs of this life. So again, are you are you still gossiping? Are you still getting involved with conversations, sorted conversations where you shouldn't be getting involved? You know, there are multiple reasons why your sanctification can take longer than than you would like it to take, and and reasons you keep falling into certain sins or keep giving into the flesh. And all of these reasons come back to how often are you reading your Bible? How much time are you spending with God alone? Uh, and and again, I'm I'm if I'm not speaking to anybody, I'm speaking from from past experiences, and and I can go through a season where I feel very very far away from God. And if I'm honest with myself, and I go, well, you haven't picked up your Bible in three weeks, so again, you'll feel as far away from you'll always feel far away from God while in the flesh, because the reality is is we are far away from God. In the flesh, we are far away from God. And, and, and this is why it's imperative that we get together as brothers and sisters in Christ, that we read the scriptures, that we go through the scriptures, that we dialogue, that we ask these questions. Um, and, and that's one of the, the greatest things about this podcast is being able to come together as brothers and sisters in Christ and discuss these scriptures. And we, we, we said this last you know on the last episode iron sharpening iron is not a comfortable process you know it's not a it's not a comfortable process you've got to go in the fire you've got to be refined then you've got to be beaten with the hammer i mean the word of god is sharper than any two-edged sword so it cuts through the dividing sunder of a man you allow the word of god to correct parts of your life you allow the word of God to, to penetrate you and you read it, not from a perspective of, uh, I don't believe that says what it says, but rather saying it says what it says. And this is, this is on me. I need to make a change. I need to make a change because everybody expects that, that once you've got the Holy Spirit, everything else comes naturally. Sanctification is the, you are sanctified by the blood of Christ once for all, but the sanctification process while in the flesh, what do we see? The war between the flesh and the spirit 
is an ongoing war. It's a daily battle. It's a constant struggle. So, again, sanctification can take however long you you allow it to take. <clears throat> okay, I'm finished. What, what are you doing? What, what? Listen, you can see it's the end of the episode because Mark's... I'm trying Mark's, to send Mark's Morse code it. with my eyebrows to the viewers and give them a message. I was preaching the gospel in Morse code for anybody that doesn't actually... That's deaf, but they can read Morse code, you know, with their eyes because they're only deaf. So sorry that I care about being diverse and inclusive. Sorry, JD. He he's quick with it. He got away from the microphone. Uh, I agree though. Uh, sanctification is, you know, I really think a lot of people dismiss what they dismiss what sanctification is because a yeah. lot of people's, uh, you know, questions of can you lose salvation and all these different questions, they revolve around the idea that sanctification doesn't work. But we believe that all who are being sanctified will be perfected. We just read it from Hebrews chapter 10. And I think that anybody who's struggling with their walk should read Hebrews 12 as it talks about lifting your head and continuing on that path. And sometimes things are painful because God is training you to make you righteous. He is conforming you to the image of his son. And although our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being being renewed day by day. So at the end of the day, Amen. what you can control Amen. is this wake up every day and set your eyes on the cross and continue to pursue him. And it's not that we're doing this because we want to earn a salvation. We're doing it because we love him period. And if you can't find that in you, then maybe you do need to do what Paul said. And he said, make sure you are of the faith going back to that. Do I believe, or do I just hope it to be true? Um, and, and I don't have the answers for every person that goes through these, uh, but I can tell you that the best way that I've experienced when it comes to getting closer to God, it's serving people. Oh, that yeah. caught me off guard. It's serving Amen. people, going out and, and contributing or donating or volunteering, but serving people is a great way to see God, see his love and experience those things. But uh, yeah, guys, uh, I, I fully believe that at the end of the day, all of this we could throw it up the window because what matters is the gospel. Let's remember that. Let's end this on a good note of saying that no matter how we feel about God's sovereignty, here's the truth of it. Here's the truth of it. No matter what, this will all end. No matter what, one group will be judged and cast into the lake of fire. Another group passes through judgment and into life. You've been given a choice, life with Jesus or death with your own sins, choose how all that works with God predetermining, preparing, planning, and doing isn't my choice. It's not, it, it's really irrelevant. Like, I wonder if people are saying like, well, if I found out that God did do it that way, I wouldn't serve him. Like, I, I, I would love to talk to people that disagree mm. in, in this circle and they disagree so much that they're like, you're unsaved. Are you saying that if you found out God fully on elected you before South before you were born at nothing of your own choice. And that's the only reason why you're saved. And he actually not elected as a group, but he said, you, Mike, I am going to save you. Not because you're better than anyone, not because you're smarter, not because I even like you more, but because I chose you and I will have mercy on whom I have mercy. Are you saying if someone told you that that's the truth, you would say, never mind. It goes back to what JD said. Do you believe that Jesus truly died on the cross? Because if you believe that, everything else you're willing to change your, your mind on as long as that stay true. And that's all that matters to me. Did he die on the cross? I believe what I told you all I believe. If I found out I'm wrong when I get to the gates and I find out that 
it is the Calvinist way or it is the Arminian way, regardless, all right, God, no matter how you did it, you did it amazing. Hats off. So yeah, yeah, and 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 this is this is the kind of this is the kind of thing and why you know I tell people if you if you go and look at church history from the third century to the to the tenth century, there were all these different scholars who who believed in in allegory and allegorization whereby every single scripture had a hidden meaning every single scripture had a this had a that you know there were numbers and you had to pay attention to the numbers and the numbers meant this and and one one you know one author says that you know noah's ark is the cross and noah is christ and this is symbol and and when you know, Aaron and her are holding up Moses's arms. This is a symbol, you know, this symbolizes the cross that is to come again. When, when you get caught up in allegory and you start reading into the text, which, which, what isn't yeah. there, um, ultimately you, you're going to come up with all sorts of, um, you know, crazy definitions for, for, you know, and they're so far fetched and, and arbitrary that it's like, why did you even do that? Because Jesus is very clear when he says what he says. And, and we can see instances where Jesus Christ is speaking specifically to the 12. Um, because why do we know he's speaking specifically to the 12? Because he tells the 12 not to go out and say anything. He says to them, don't go and tell anyone. Um, what does he say to Peter after Peter says he is the Christ, the son of the God? He says, awesome, you received this revelation from God, but keep it to yourself. So again. There, there are instances where the text says what it says. Um, and, and why I said the other day that there are no new revelations on the book of Revelation. Uh, it's, again, it doesn't matter which side you lean, whether you lean towards the Calvinistic, uh, you know, tulip or the Arminian uh, ways of, you know, it doesn't really matter. What matters is have you believed the gospel? Have you put your faith and trust in Christ alone? Because I had someone say, how do you know? How do you make sure that you are of the faith? It, it, when you wake up and you realize that there is absolutely nothing you can do to save yourself and you put all your faith in Christ alone. That's, that's the simple answer. First John. I think first oh, John okay. is a great place to go. Yeah. Because first John talks about the things that you should be identifying Amen. in yourself. Look, let me just take you on to what Paul actually says when he says this. And I want you to look closely at how he says this. I believe it's two Corinthians. I might be wrong on that. Scroll down. I know I highlighted it. So let's just look for a highlight. Boom, 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 boom. Scooby-Doo, Scooby-Doo-Doo, Scooby-Doo-Doo, Scooby-Doo-Geep-Bop-Dee-Bop-Boo, Trying to give you all some sound effects. I apologize. There you go. We found it. Examine yourselves. So the very first thing he says is about self-reflection. Looking at self, right? To see what? Whether you are in the faith. Okay. <laughs> Test yourselves. Or do you not realize this about yourselves, that Jesus Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test? Let's stop right there for a moment. What is he saying? 
As believers, don't you know that Christ is in you? Therefore, you should want to find that in you. You should want to look to see that Christ is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test and you realize that he's not in you, right? So this is what he is clearly demonstrating, that that test is to identify Christ in us and ensure that we are walking with the Spirit, not based on our own actions, not based on anything of our own, but read the scriptures like 1 John, because 1 John declares how you can have confidence in your salvation, which goes hand in hand with what Mr. Toes just asked about, is it wrong to have that confidence? No, read First John how it ends. He literally says, I wrote this so that you may have confidence. Oh. Oh. He says it twice in verse, in chapter four, he says, by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment. And in First John chapter five, he says what? Sorry. And this is the confidence that we have. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. There's nothing wrong with knowing that you have eternal life. There's nothing wrong with having the confidence that, uh, to, 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 in what God has said. Okay. So, um, that's what I would say as far as that goes. Let me go ahead and check up. I see y'all all saying something about Carl. R.C. Sproul taught works salvation. Why are we talking about R.C. Sproul? Did someone bring up R.C. Sproul? Oh, someone brought up R.C. Sproul. Okay. R.C. Sproul has a very good book about Can I Lose Salvation? Just read it in Logos, and it's a free book. I have seen that it's on there free. Uh, as far as R.C. Sproul goes, I don't know much about him, but I do know that he's reformed, so therefore he can't believe in a work salvation. It wouldn't make sense. Um for him to have a works salvation. But yeah, first John was written so that we may have a, uh, affirmation in our, in our faith, um, um, to confirm our salvation for us, uh, to be confident in your salvation. Um, so, um, that is why it's important to read that. Carl, I'm going to be honest with you, but it sounds like you came in here to argue because while we've been all having a fun conversation, all I've seen from you is constantly like dropping scriptures as if you're arguing with someone. I even tried to say, hey, Carl, we don't disagree on that because I saw you saying stuff we agree on. But it, it just feels like you came in here to convert um, and, and and we're trying to have, find common ground amongst each other because this isn't a salvic type of a, a question. The only salvic questions out there is, who is your Lord? Who do you confess as your Lord? Or what is the gospel? Um, those are the salvic reasons. I don't care if you're an Arminian, a, a, mono, a monolist, which at the end of the day, they just made that up because they didn't like Calvinist or Arminianism or a Calvinist. Do you confess the true gospel of the son of God? Uh, do you know, do you confess that he is the Messiah, the Christ, the Holy one of God? If you got those, then we're friends. We're, we're friends. Um, and if we're friends then and we're brothers, then we can ha just have this conversation to get to know what each other believe. Um, so yes, you're right. He did die for real sinners and God knows the name of everyone that he, that he, that he saves. We're not disagreeing with that. We said that we don't agree that God chose who to save in the sense that Calvinists believe. Uh, we believe that he chose to save 
That is the prepared part. Because as we pointed out in Ephesians 2, where it says the mighty works prepared beforehand for you, the King James refers to that as predestined. So prepared and predestined can be used in a very similar standard. Well, he prepared eternal life for those that believe the gospel. He predetermined that. So before eternity passed, before a man ever drew breath in the Garden of Eden, God had already declared that there will be a gospel of salvation and that whoever believes in it will be saved. Therefore, it is predetermined. And also in, in eternity past, he declared that those that don't believe will stand condemned and face the judgment. So therefore, that is still predetermined, and I can still have the ability to say, I put my faith and trust in Jesus, not at my own works, not at my own any way. It's, it's the godly grief that produces repentance as uh, Paul demonstrates in, in second Corinthians, but okay, we're, we're good. Not really going to argue about it. I just wanted to point out that this isn't a hostile place. This is a place that we've created for, uh, brothers and sisters in Christ to come together and, and kind of go to war a little bit on scripture in a loving way. We, we bash our swords in here. We grow stronger and that's what sparring is about. But just like we talked about in the last episode, you can't forget that you're sparring because if you're sparring with someone and you forget you're sparring, you might get really offended if you get caught with a good punch and then you might start swinging back in the wrong way. And now we have a real fight on our hands. Uh, nobody here is swinging for real. We're just trying to spar with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, and, and, and we, we admit, I mean, we open the door for you to come spar with us as well. So I've been kind of just talking to talk to see if JD hits me, uh, jumps back in, but he did not. So I'm assuming that he had to go ahead and jump off. Uh, and that's perfectly fine. How do you know I'm wearing shorts? Oh, my knee is on camera. Look at that. Uh, my heat works really well in my in this office. It's the one room of this house that really is small and closed, and it has a good vent. So this room gets real bakey and spicy in here. So, yes, I'm extra, ex extremely hot right now. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and end this and hop off. I'm going to be on TikTok for a little bit uh, for the after show if you guys want to talk about this stuff. Whew. Okay. So a couple things I want to announce. Let me sit up and get excited because I'm excited about some stuff. So number one, I finally downloaded all of the live streams that I have done on TikTok over the last two weeks, and I have been uploading them on YouTube. That means tonight I uploaded the live stream from earlier. So if you missed my rant where I went through the script, the scripture on eternal security and did all those things, you had to say that word, Courtney. I feel it. I read her saying yawn. I'm trying, Selena. I'm trying. I don't know how to stop yawning, man. If I knew how, I'd probably be rich. People would love that knowledge. Um, they say if you tell someone don't sneeze, it'll stop them from sneezing. I wish that worked for yawning. It's the opposite. They tell someone don't yawn, and they'd be like, oh, oh, oh. And have you ever seen someone when they try and fight the yawn, they look like they're really dealing with something? It just it comes in like 10 times harder as your face is fighting. Like, no, I will not allow it. Um, but open a window. Oh, the oxygen. Is that what y'all think it is? No, it's not. No, I'm not letting it happen again. Um, yeah, so I uploaded that one where I had a lot of fun diving into eternal security and calling out false prophets. I will upload tonight or tomorrow the one we did on Romans 1 through 5 from Sunday. I heard a lot of people say they really, really enjoyed Friday's um, episode. I mean, Sunday's episode, not Friday. So I'm going to get that on there. And then the next one, fighting a sneeze feels like a war. Uh -uh, feel, I can fight a sneeze. Actually, I, I, I have silent sneezes. I, I pinch my nose and I don't do it in the way that it makes your ears and eyes pop. I like let go right at the right time. And I like kind of assist the sneeze out. I'm a very silent sneezer. Um, but I have not 
perfected the stopping of the yawn. Also, on top of that, tomorrow I am going down to Austin to visit True Play Games. Super excited for this. Super duper, duper excited about this. So, uh, yeah, I will see you guys over on the tickety tockety TikTok. Um, yeah. You need proof of what? My sneezing? All right, hold on. Let me see if I can get myself to sneeze. Hold on. They say if you look up at the light, it'll make you sneeze. Hold on. I'll sit here on camera just like this. Nope, not working. If I had a feather, I would do it. If I had a feather, I would do it. I should go live on TikTok and be like, I'm not ending my live until I sneeze. And uh, just sit there. No, but for real, so, uh, <laughs> this this changed topics as we're about to end. So the silent sneeze, actually, I don't even need to pinch my nose anymore. I've gotten really good at it to where I can just close my nose. And what I do is I kind of let it through my throat. So it's like a, <clears throat> I don't know. That's magical, man. Oh, you one of those people, Big Red. You one of those, <clears throat> one of those people. Like, there's just, just everybody knows you're in the room. Like, <clears throat> I can't stand those people. Scratch your belly button and you'll sneeze. I don't trust that. All right, guys, it's time for me to go. I'll try and sneeze on TikTok, but I'm not going to waste the time here. I love you guys. I hope you have an amazing and a blessed day. I should probably go message uh, uh, JD and make sure he's alive. But other than that, I'll see you guys on Monday, but make sure that you stay tuned. If you want to see me tomorrow, cause I'll probably be live streaming from Austin at some point. So, uh, God bless guys and go in peace. Mr. Madison. What why do I just... keep, why do I keep clicking that audio when I leave? Like I can't make this smooth transition out of here.